Hello, and welcome to One Stop Co-op Shop, your one stop for board game news and reviews. This week, game designers Peter Gusis and Michael Kelly will review a cooperative game and have a related design discussion. Hello, and welcome to the One Stop Co-op Shop, your one stop for co-op news and playthroughs. But today, we're doing a review. I'm here with Mike. What's up, Mike? Hey, I'm exhausted. <laughs> oh, this should be awesome. This is fun already. And Jerry. What's up, Jerry? Hey, everybody. Me too, but I hide it better than Mike. Uh, uh, uh. At least I have oh, a that, voice. That looks totally natural, Mike. <laughs> I yeah. feel great. <laughs> so for those of you who are listening on the podcast, Mike is uh, making faces at us. And uh, <laughs> this is also on the One Stop Call Shop stream channel. So you should check it out there as well. But before we get into anything, let's talk about what we've been playing. How about uh, you, Jerry? You want to lead us off? Uh, well, I've been a little busy lately. The only thing I've really played is this, uh, what's set up behind me is the Isla and the uh, Something Shiny with my daughter. She's seven. We've played the first two chapters and she's had a blast with it. She really likes it. Um, she was a little sad at one part, but she got over and wanted to see what happened next. So no spoilers, but yeah, it was a lot of fun. Cool. I know you like that one, Mike. Yeah, it's a top top contender for game of the year for me. It's in like my top. Well, actually, let me look. I think it's in my top five in my current list. Sweet. And is that one you play with your kids too? Yeah. So um, it's got like five scenarios, not counting sort of the tutorial scenario, which doesn't have much replay value. That one you can pretty much skip on future plays. It's three different endings, but also there's like a lot of stuff. They've got like challenge modes you can add on after you beat it. That's so I cool. think between taking one son through it all the way, taking another son through it all the way, playing with my wife's son, and then also playing it solo to like see everything, I probably played it through like 10 times, which is a lot for like a kind of one to two off uh, choose your own adventure-ish like kind of game. No, I'm, I'm really into that one. It cool. does have a bit of branching narrative, I think, but mm-hmm. uh, you played it, Peter. Well, we played it once a long time ago. I don't remember it at all. Yeah, I think Wait, it was wh- on the Kickstarter was on or something. We might have played a prototype. Yeah, yes. probably, no, I, I had one for a little bit. Yeah. So, I mean, if I played it again, I'd probably remember it. But um, I, I had it in my house for a long time and did not play it. So there is that. Yeah, I like the mechanics in it. It's a lot of fun. Cool. All right, Mike, how about you? Anything? Uh, anything I mean, fun? I, I've also been super busy and not playing a lot. Uh, like I've been leaning because I've recorded like way too many videos and had like a bunch that's kind of sitting around. So I've been leaning in those a little bit for content recently. Nice. But uh, one thing I did get, uh, I bought myself. I had asked for a review copy and it just never got back to me, so I just bought it. Is uh, the New Beginnings expansion for Paleo. Paleo, one of my favorite games in the last few years. And yep. actually, it's funny because you're playing Isla, Jerry, and it has a semi similar go through a deck, you know, shuffle that deck again, go through it again, like evolving deck mechanic. I forget if you were on it, Jerry, but I know Peter and I did a stream of the New Beginnings expansion from like Tabletopia a while back. It adds uh, farming, it adds like animal husbandry. It adds a bunch of new scenarios. And my favorite thing is you can freely mix and match them with the solo game scenario. So it just adds like multiplicatively to the combinations you can do. And I continue to love Paleo. I played it with my kids. We had a great time. I mean, the, the, the seven year or soon to be seven is birthday Saturday. My, my youngest uh, loses interest usually about halfway through. And then I just finish out his, his turns, <laughs> but Harrison's always really into it. So yeah, uh, Paleo continues to be great. Fully recommend the expansion based on what I've played so far. And I, I have a video film that I just haven't edited yet, so it'll be on the channel eventually. That's kind of funny, because you're right. Uh, Ilya and, I and uh, Paleo uh, have a very similar basic mechanic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's part of my love for Isla, but Isla definitely uh, 
goes in a very different direction with it. <laughs> yes. Yeah, I'll have to check that out then because I do like Paleo quite a bit. I, I like the tactical choices though. So I don't, I mean, I certainly like the going through the deck stuff to some degree, but the tactical choices and what you're doing with your resources and upgrading your, your clan and stuff like that are what I really like from Paleo. So I, I don't know. We'll see. Well, I think that's why you might like the expansion a lot because it gives you more upgrade options. Like you can go kind of farm heavy some games. You can go uh, animal heavy some games. You can ignore all the new stuff and just do the good old fashioned kill a mammoth kind of stuff. So it's, it's and it has like more items to build. So I mean, like we had a great is, play. It was Extra Life last year, which. Yeah. Oh, that's what it was. That's what it was. Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah. I remember at the end, didn't they just totally kill us? Like people paid money to watch us. Burn. Yeah, they did. That's right. <laughs> or, wasn't that Bullet? I think they did that in Bullet, not Paleo. They did that but in Bullet sa- for sure. Maybe they saved us in Paleo. I, I can't remember now. But but either way, I, th- I think, yeah, I think you'd like the whole expansion, Peter, because it doesn't really add almost any more complication. Like, I guess the farm board is, like, a little bit more stuff, but not much. But yeah. it's, like, just way more variety, and, like, you can play different ways. Uh, don't oversell it, Mike. Uh, you had Peter at Animal Husbandry. <laughs> any Anything I can be a husband to, I'm happy. So, it's fine. <laughs> <laughs> okay, then. <laughs> uh, so, the only thing I've played uh, that I haven't talked about in the past too much is I ended up... Uh, Jerry and I ended up playing Splendor, what is it on tabletop sim or board game arena, something like that? Yeah, board game arena. Yeah, so I ended up buying Marvel Splendor and playing that with my family, and even taking that on vacation with me. and And that's just a good game. I mean, it's not a co op game, so obviously a little bit off no. of what we talk about here. But um, I really do like Splendor. You know, as a nice thirty minute, pretty quick game to play for two players, and you know, it doesn't scale up in time that much for more players. It's just a fun engine builder where you don't have to invest too much in it, which I like. Would, would you call it a romp? I would call it a romp. I, I, I would call it more rompy than the Dark Tower. Let's bring it back to co-op. I, oh, I, all right. I, I, I felt more rompiness in uh, in Splendor than I did in Dark Tower. I, I disagree with that, but that's yeah, I, I, I like too, Splendor right? a lot. I would not call it a romp in any sense. Oh, I wouldn't either. I mean, the thing I, that's more a thing statement I like about Dark Tower. Then, then, then Dark some rompiness. I, I yeah, that like, was definitely rompiness. And when, remember when you went into the dungeon, Peter? That was a romp. Yes, it felt like I was in a dungeon. <sighs> All right, it felt anyway, just like fishing. <laughs> Today, we have it said, we're going to be talking about ISS Vanguard, because all three of us played uh, in the same campaign, and then I also played some solo separately, and we're also doing, uh, our design discussion is technically on puzzles versus, like, narrative, and, like, one-off versus narrative, but it's really ISS Vanguard versus Unsettled, Let, let's let's be honest here. <laughs> what? They are, uh, they, they are How did you see through that veneer, Mike? <laughs> uh, they're, they're very similar games, once you get down to the planet, like, there are a lot, like, the second I started playing ISS Vanguard, I was like, well, what the heck, man? <laughs> Uh, they're also very different in a lot of ways. Yes. That's, that's our episode for today. But first, let me thank some patrons. Let me sum up some energy. We got some amazing patrons for our Patreon, patreon.com slash one stop. And what's up there? Early access to our videos every week. What else is up there? Exclusive videos you can't see anywhere else. Mostly me doing uh, top 10 lists and uh, rankings of games from specific companies and lots of other things and just kind of discussing things. I think at this point, there are like 27 videos that are impossible to see anywhere else. Only can see them at Patreon. So, uh, yeah, we'd like to thank some of our amazing supporters this week. Kobus Potgeiter, Gislaine Jr. Dankaus. I'm sure I'm doing great with these names. Uh, <laughs> Scott Pease, Ted B., and Trotos. It's like Kratos, but different. 
So yeah, thank you all of our amazing patrons. Uh, thank you everyone who supports us. And you can also support us just by subscribing to either of our channels, uh, listening to the podcast like you uh, maybe are right now, or uh, leaving a review for the podcast. That helps out a ton. So uh, thank you all. And yeah, go check out the Patreon. Lots of cool stuff up there. Uh, I'm going to join Patreon with uh, some more accounts just to hear Mike pronounce the names. <laughs> yeah, yeah, just, just, just throw some random ones up there. In fact, <laughs> I challenge all of you listeners, come up with the wackiest <laughs> Patreon name. Hear Mike read it and embarrass himself. And, you know, the money will just be a nice little bonus. We won't even talk about the money. It's really about the names. You know, it's really about <laughs> the comedy. It's funny. We have like several hundred Patreon people. But after each time you read like three to five names, because we just read a, a, a random smattering each time. We, we're cycling through all the names. But you're like, we'd like to thank all our Patreon users. And I'm like, that's not all of them, Mike. That's not all of them. It's just like three, it's it's it's, it's multiple thanks, Peter. I'm thanking all the patrons. That that's one thank you. And then yes. there is a separate individual thank you for specific patrons. That is a rotating basis. You know, it's 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 like math. I appreciate you explaining that to me because I am. <laughs> it's it's like when we tried to explain <laughs> ISIS bed card to you. Yeah, was it was it great? <laughs> but but guess what? I'm doing the rules explanation today. So Mike, why don't you tell us a little bit about the theme of ISS Vanguard? So imagine, if you will, Mass Effect and Homeworld, maybe a little Ballastar Galactica, some Outer Wilds for those who like uh, good indie games. Uh, what else am I missing, Jerry? Th- throw a few more in there for me. Uh, talking about theme? Uh, yeah. You stole the ones that I was thinking of. Yeah, sorry. I did steal all the best ones. Okay, never mind. I'll put you on the spot too late. <laughs> but yeah, so uh, basically the theme of ISS Vanguard, humanity fights a lot. If y'all didn't know that, it happens, um, even in fantasy versions of humanity. But we find that in our DNA, there is hidden a message from the cosmos with uh, coordinates. And then we discover an alien ship and we retrofit that baby or, or future fit. Um, we, we, we crossfit it. We crossfit that ship to travel the stars, and we're going into the the ether. That's not really the right word. We're going into the into outer space. Logistin. Yeah, to, to try to find this DNA, like the, our makers, try to find our makers in the cosmos. And uh, basically, uh, that's like the inciting incident, but a lot of cool stuff that I won't spoil happens from that beginning. And yeah, uh, you are exploring planets, exploring star systems, and trying to find out what the builders intended, why they made you, why they uh, were spying on you in your growth, where they've gone, all that good uh, sci-fi yumminess. That's ISS Vanguard. It's kind of well, a ripoff of that Next Generation episode where they all found like all the races were connected by a common element oh, to their DNA. Oh, I forgot DNA, about that one. And they yeah. were race to get to the source planet. Yeah. Wasn't, wasn't that also how they explained how the uh, Klingons look super different from like the, Something the original like that. series well, to Next Generation and all that? <laughs> anyway, uh, sorry, Peter. We're, we're going deep on the sci-fi stuff here. So, so bring, bring <laughs> us back home, baby. Yeah. So, I mean, I'm going to go over the rules explanation, which I feel like is going to be shorter than your theme explanation. Basically, you have two main phases of the game. You have a ship phase where you're basically building up your ship. You have like a certain number of actions you can take out of a pool of like five actions. You can recruit more people. You can do some research. You can like fit your ship with certain stuff. I don't even remember all the things, but there, there's a bunch of stuff that you can do on your ship phase. And then you are going to have kind of a mini thing which is like landing on the planet which is kind of like a mini game you play before the second phase of the game which is the planet exploration which is the big part of it where you're basically 
you know, it's a map book, one of these map books that you open up, and you're going to go from location to location, which are a little bit abstracted here. They kind of look, it's, it's almost reminds me of Arkham Horror Living Card Game, where you just have cards, although they're not cards. They're definitely printed in the book, but cards fit over them because there will be changes to those places as you explore the planet more potentially. And yeah, you're just moving from location to location, doing actions there, exploring, doing a lot of skill checks, basically. So... That is the basics of the mechanics, but we're going to get into them a lot more as we get into our top five, which we're going to do right now. So, and I think Jerry, J- Jerry's our special guest of the day. You should start, Jerry. All right. Well, are you going to uh, explain what the top five is, Jerry? Is, is that why Mike no. interrupted me before I got into explaining oh. what that is? Now, come on, who, who gentle <laughs> listeners, who among you has not heard another episode or has never seen one of our review videos? I fail to believe that any such people exist in the world. But if you do, welcome. Yes, thank you. Well, <laughs> that's what we, so yes, if put a weird first, name in Patreon. <laughs> yeah, right. Yes, so if this is your first time joining us, thank you. And what we do here is the top five list where we talk about the top five things we think you need to know about the game, starting with the number five, which is our least important thing, going to our number one, which we think is the most important thing you need to know about the game. And uh, they're all important, though, or we wouldn't list them because for this game, we could have probably had a top 20 list. Although, I'm sure we'll have some overlap still anyway. But Jerry... All right, now, Jerry, number five. (laughs) All right, my number five is that this is, I think, the epitome of a campaign game. It is a pure campaign. Sure, you could play it as a one-off, but like Peter described, there's three different elements to a game. So you could play all three of those as sort of a single playthrough, but I think you'd be left wanting more because I don't think it'd be a particularly fulfilling experience. And the game does allow players to come in and drop out. You know, it has mechanics for that. But I really think that if you're not planning on playing this game for the long haul, you might want to look elsewhere. But that said, I think the game itself is built from the ground up to be a campaign. In other words, it has a very good save system Mm -hmm. and it allows you to keep things organized. So you don't have to play it back to back to back. You could probably take, you know, a week or two off and then come back to it. Uh, which I'm assuming we will do. But uh, <laughs> yes. I think the the way you organize all the stuff that's going on makes it relatively easy uh, to jump right, right back in. Yeah, and I'll go ahead and talk about my number five now because it kind of ties into that, and that is the production value of the game. Um, they do a lot of things to make this game easy to take a, take out and put away. So we talked about that ship phase. The ship phase is actually all done in a binder. And as you go through this binder... Like they're the five different, you know, sections you can go to and and work on or whatever, but like they're the rules are right there. Like it's like a brief summary of what to do. So even if you're playing for the first time, you basically read the rules as you're playing it and you're learning the rules while you're playing it, which also works if you put the game away and you need to bring it back out. Like all the upgrades you have, they're just cards that go in slots in this three ring binder book. If you're not like working on a certain section, you don't need to go to that section in the three ring binder. So you don't need to read those rules for this playthrough or whatever. And once you learn the rules, they're just there as like a general reminder as well. So um, the organization is really good. There's also a card box where you store all your, you know, upgrades and stuff like that. Like your, your people, your crew members that you're taking on missions. Um, they, there's a resting spot in there. So it's just, it does a very good job of being able to be put away and being able to be brought back out again. Yeah, I fully agree. That's not one of my five, but I think that they did a lovely job 
I, I just adore uh, several games have done this recently. The things where they like use the side of the box to depict how you put the game away. Yeah. I don't need any art there. Give me Absolutely. that useful stuff. That's that's great. My number five. Uh, sorry to bring it down, gentlemen. It's a full on negative. Sometimes the game gets really repetitive. Sometimes you got to grind. And and Peter and Jerry, <laughs> I don't know if you all got like far enough in to feel this. And, and the caveat I'll give to my own con is that the grinding might not happen to you. Like when I played with Peter and Jerry, um, there's a specific tech that you have to unlock in the tech tree to be able to adventure to uh, beyond like the first four planets you have options for. And I just through a, uh, a happenstance and circumstance and bad choices did not get that tech until late. So I actually had to repeat some planets. I had to repeat one planet four times and Planets are great the first time. We'll talk about that later. They're kind of okay the second time. And some planets you have to go back to a second time. So like that, that happens pretty frequently. But they still usually have some cool stuff to see. Third or fourth time? Nope, not that interesting. But you still got but they like still force you to go and do some stuff there. Or you get penalized pretty heavily. So and and I, I will say beyond that, I'll talk more about the planet exploration later. And as a rule, I enjoyed it quite a lot. But I think some players are going to find just the planet exploration itself and just running the ship itself repetitive. There is a lot of kind of uh, rigmarole to go through with all of that. So, yeah, some grind and repetition can creep in. Is it as bad as something like Tainted Grail by the original rules? No way. It's it's actually pretty even keeled. That's why it's my number five and not my number two or number one. Uh, but it still is there. And depending on like the choices you make and your preferences, it'll rear its head more harshly or or less so yeah that's my number five all right jerry on to your number four all right uh my number four is the cooperative play i think this game plays or would play pretty well solo but there are good opportunities for cooperative play although it's a little bit of a mix for me because there is one issue i have with it and that in some of the exploration uh phases which is really where the cooperative play is is engaging at all other than that, you really, it's mostly just getting together as a group and making a collective decision, right? But in the cooperative play elements on the planet, you might benefit by, for, from splitting the party, essentially. Having one person go one way to do things and the rest of the group go a different way. Well, if the person that went one way happens to not be good at the skill tests that are required in that direction you've wasted a whole bunch of time because the wrong person's in the wrong section and you didn't really have any way of knowing that ahead of time. I think that happened to us on the first planet, maybe yeah. a little bit, where I went off on a particular direction and my person just was not good at that at the skill checks needed. So we had to sort of switch things around. That was a little bit disappointing, but overall I thought the cooperative play where you're able to lend people additional skill dice, play cards to help each other, there was definite elements of collaboration and working together. Uh, so I, I thought it was decent for cooperative play. Cool. So my number four is the Vanguard phase or the ship phase when you're on the ship itself. So you have several different options. Like I said, you can recruit new troops. And one of the interesting things about the game is that you're going to have troops that go on missions. But that so you have four different stations and each station is going to start with a, a set of I think it's two people per station. You're going to pick one to go on a mission with you. And then after they go on a mission, though, they have to rest for the next mission. So they can't go on two in a row. And I'll get into a little bit more specifics about them. But you can also recruit new people. And I'm not really sure how that works. I guess you're training up people from the 
you know, the rest of the people on the ship that aren't trained to do a specific <laughs> task or whatever. Because I, I, otherwise, I don't know where you're getting people from. You're like in the middle of space, right? But so I, aren't you waking them up from cryo, Mike? Or something? I I think it's more, if I remember correctly, I think it's more along the lines of what Peter said. But I, oh. you guys have the game, so I haven't looked at that in a little bit. Yeah, so you can train people, you can research stuff, which are all. You know, they're all kind of mini games within the game itself, but they all have effects on the main game. I will say this is not a a straight up pro for me or a straight up con. I do find it to be a little bit of busy work, a little bit repetitive, as as Mike had talked about with some of the other part of the game. But not only repetitive, but just overwhelming when you first get into the game. Now, like I said, each different section has its own directions as far as what you do, but it's not like these sections are related in any way either i mean certainly like if you do research you're going to help out some of these other stations but like what you do in one area is not anything near what you do in one of the other areas when you're you're doing these options on your ship and you're not going to get to do all of them so that's kind of cool that does uh, i guess cut down on the repetition a little bit but I feel like like if you recruit a bunch of people early, you're probably not going to need to do that later. So maybe that option even goes away after a while. Yeah, I don't know. I think this part is okay. But these town building, quote unquote, is what I'm going to relate it to when you play games like Gloomhaven or when you play games like Kingdom Death Monster or whatever. It feels a little bit like that town building phase. Some people love these phases of the game and it's their favorite part. It's never my favorite part anyway. So for me, if you don't like that kind of stuff, typically... It can be overwhelming, and it is that. Like, it isn't the meat and potatoes of the game, but you need it to kind of do the rest of the game. Uh, Yeah, I I will say something in agreement with Peter there, that if the rules weren't in the page on the pages of the binder when you were going through the binder as part of the ship phase, I think that it's not very intuitive, the order of things. So they've done a great job at making it so that it is intuitive because you're just going from page to page and reading the rules. But if that wasn't there, I'm not sure it would click as well yeah and I'll, I'll talk about that in a little bit later one of my points but my number four i'm sure we'll all have something related to this is the story and the writing i like it a lot i think that i mean it as uh, my my intro alluded to they are cribbing from like really i i think as someone who like reads and watches and plays a lot of sci-fi i think they're cribbing from very obvious sources in a lot of cases but I don't know. There's all sources I liked and the way they did it and kind of combined them and put their own spin on it, I found very engaging. And I think like the twists and turns and like the, the core mystery, I found very interesting. I wanted to find out like what else happened. Um, so it is a campaign where the narrative, uh, at least for me, was engaging enough to drive me toward finishing the entire thing. I also think it's very well written. The, the style isn't going to appeal to everybody. It's sort of... Um, it's mostly dialogue based where like uh, an away team is talking back to the ship and sort of back and forth. But the game has kind of Star Trek vibes going. So that works for me. I was sort of picturing people like hitting their tricorder, you know, or the communication like badge and, and talking back with the bridge. And um, especially I'll say with the app, which is an optional thing, but does run things. Now there, we did encounter like a few times where the app was like slightly off from the book because usually use a book for the log entries otherwise. But with the app, I think the voice acting is really good and it kind of brings those dialogues to life with different voice actors clearly doing the different characters. So I, I overall really like the story, really find the mystery engaging. And I thought, especially with the app, the uh, the writing's really uh, fun to kind of go through. Yeah, the story is certainly derivative, uh, but that doesn't mean it's bad. Yes. Right? It's derivative, but I thought it was good. And the app being fully voiced, I think, helped quite a bit. 
I love that direction that games are going nowadays with fully voiced app. I mean, you know, I'm not the strongest reader out there. And honestly, at the end of the night, at the end of a long day, at the end of a long week, which is usually when we're playing games, I'm not in the mood to sit there and read passages and passages of text either. So it's a nice break to just be able to sit back and listen to a story. I do want to bring in the chat a little bit here. So we have a couple of things. We have Elaine Brousseau, who said, I felt thanked. So Mike. You, he appreciates your thanking everybody. We got Henry Autobahn, who's the designer of Parks and of... Uh, Cosmoctopus Cosmo- on Crowdfunding right, right now. Go check out Cosmoctopus, everybody. <laughs> out there. He says he's been looking forward to this game, curious to hear our thoughts. So we are in the middle of those right now, Henry. And we also have Jason V, who says, hello, is the all-in pledge worth it? And Jason, we will get to that at the end. Uh, we, we do have a final thoughts after our top five. So we are halfway there. Let's keep going. Jerry, what's your number three? Uh, So my number three is like Peter's number four. It's talking about the ship phase. Uh, I have a little bit different spin on it in that I found it very similar feeling to uh, the video game XCOM, where you're discovering new things that you bring back and then use that into research projects with it, which then give you more items or more upgrades to your ship and things like that, that help you progress your characters and your ships and your landers and things like that gave me very strong XCOM vibes. I do agree that I think it can be overwhelming with the choices, especially when you're getting into like what it wasn't so much for us because we were still fairly early in the game, but I can imagine it getting a little bit too many options uh, when you're looking at, you know, what do I bring? Well, I have a choice of, you know, 24 different things to bring and I have three slots, which, you know, which of those 24 things do I have to go through them all every time? But hopefully it won't be too bad when we get to that point. But overall, I really, I think Peter summed up the ship phase pretty well. Uh, But if you like the non-tactical battle part of XCOM, I think you'll find a lot of similarities here in the ship phase. Yeah, my number three is the same and basically fully agree with what Jerry said. I've literally, uh, playing Ice of Vanguard got me back into, I think... uh, like my PlayStation subscription pass or whatever, XCOM 2 is free, and I never played XCOM 2. Um, the newer XCOM 2. I played the old XCOM 2. That was what? That Terror of the Deep. Deep. Yeah, Terror in the Deep. I was trying to remember what the words was. But yeah, um, I think uh, in in the best way, it very much models XCOM. If you like like working through tech trees and unlocking cooler and cooler tools and finding like more and more fun stuff, it definitely has that. But I also totally agree with Peter that it gets a little bit fiddly sometimes, can feel a little bit repetitive sometimes. And uh, Jerry, you hinted at this, but I played a little bit deeper uh, in the campaign than you all, and I saw it in action. It does get a little unwieldy late campaign when you just have tons of stuff. Reminds me a bit of Sleeping Gods in that way, where uh, at some point you just have like, (laughs) even like I was only halfway through the campaign. I think I had like 60 cards unlocked in the armory. (laughs) Now, to be fair, like some of them are straight up upgrades of others. So I could just like kind of trash the other ones and that'd be fine. But they don't like really give you a specific mechanic to do that. You just have to see that a card is a way better version of the same card. So yeah, it's it's a little bit problematic, but it, it's not enough to take away that still a lot of the like ship phase kind of tech tree leveling is tons of fun if you're into that kind of thing. Yeah, and and some of it is also putting out fires too, right? So you get bad stuff that happens to you, and you're having to choose. So there's a little bit of like, you know, co-op game stuff here where you're like choosing to either put out fires or to level up or to do things. So I do think they try to keep it interesting. But as with a lot of things with this game, getting into a little bit of final thoughts here, I, I just think it was it's a lot, right? Like they, they add a lot of systems. 
Um, so, so, so first Peter says we're half finished and we've done two out of five points. <laughs> and now Peter's getting to his final thoughts. And then there's, there's a, on, banner, on the a banner night for Peter Gates. Yeah. <laughs> hey, you know what? <laughs> Math. You guys are tired. Leave it alone. <laughs> <laughs> That's fair. That's fair. Touche. All right. So my next point is the equipment and the leveling, which uh, they're two different things. So your characters will level. So you get these different characters we talked about. You're taking them out of cryo, whatever it is, training them up. But then you uh, also level them. So you get experience throughout this planet exploration phase um, that you can use to level your characters up. And actually, it's not even that exactly because you get to level your characters up and you get to keep the experience to spend on equipment and stuff. Right, Mike? What? The success uh, tokens he's talking about. The success, success tokens. tokens are only used to rank people up and then to get more dice. Equipment is just a uh, yeah. That's ju- the research just comes stuff. from the ship, and, right? Like, research and that kind of stuff. I gotcha. Okay, but you don't spend it to level your characters up, right? You have to get either Correct. three. You, you you only spend it to get dice into your pool. Yeah. So the, I mean, your characters. There is a sense of progression, although, and the characters are a little bit different. Although I will say. A lot of times I didn't care which characters I was taking. So they basically have two distinguishing fi- features to each character. One of them is like they'll have one of the colored dice. So there's three colored dice. I guess we should talk a little bit about how that works, although I'm going to get into that. In a, I was about to say, I'm going to get into that. Soon. Yeah, I, I might be getting into that, too. OK. Yeah. All right. So we're I'll not going to save that. <laughs> all right. So but the bottom line is you have three different colors of dice and there is like a a not wild. There is a wild side on each dice, but there's also a side that is like do whatever it's normally a blank, but it could also be like whatever your character's special thing is. So each character has that, that'll make like one of the three color dice that they have get you a certain symbol when that side is rolled. So each character has that that's unique. And they also have like a special power where they're going to spend tokens to do things. Maybe to give you rerolls, maybe to avoid wounds, whatever. So it makes them a little bit different. But a lot of times I really didn't care which character I was taking. And like, even when we were like recruiting new characters to go to different things, it I don't know. You see a lot of the same symbols. You see a lot of the same color dice. You see a lot of similar powers. So they didn't feel that unique to me, the different characters. And I guess to some degree that's good because it's not a million things you have to remember. But they were a little bit unique. And then they all get equipment too, which is also assigned to like each of those stations and the equipment you can use throughout the game as well. Um, and you get more and more equipment as you know, these guys said it might even get overwhelming at some points, but it gives them a little bit of differentiation. And then you're leveling up your dice as well. So those are permanent upgrades to the station, which have nothing to do with the characters. So whatever characters you take on the mission are going to get the same number of dice. Although depending on their level, they may be able to use more or less. If it all sounds kind of complicated, it is kind of complicated. Although at the same time, it's not complicated. It's just, it always feels like there's like one thing too much in this game. For me, at least anyway. And what I would say about the characters, and this is not something I like realize right away, but really it's more like you each have four classes you're controlling and you add like slight variances with each crew member to those classes. Now, full disclosure, Awaken Realm sent us a review copy and they did include the expansion that has uh, veteran versions of each crew member and like little side quests for each crew member. So that does differentiate them more, but we didn't play with that. Uh, but if you use that, I think it would make the crew members different. But yeah, I, th- I think the big thing, Peter, is that like the security station feels very different from the science station. They have different dice available. They have entirely different decks of cards. They have, as you mentioned, entirely different armory like cards they can bring, equipment cards. But do they have the different crew members dice are available? not? They have different like 
ratios of dice, right? Like you can get more red dice versus green dice, but everybody can get the same dice. When well, they're... what I mean well, is you don't level trigger. up in the same way, so they're going to be different dice. You know what I mean? Like, sure. Yes, technically you could build the same, but you're not going to. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, I, I mean, I guess I was a little disappointed by this because I'm a big fan of leveling up and, and feeling unique, and I don't know that I did. Maybe that that's the whole point of this section. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, I, I definitely think this is going to appeal more. I think a lot of parts of the game are built. Sorry, we're kind of doing final thoughts a bit more here, but I think a lot of games are bit of the game is built more on the idea of like a cohesive crew and not like individual heroes. This is not this is not like a fantasy dungeon crawl where you are like leveling up your fighter and getting more fighter abilities. It definitely, for better or worse, depending on your taste, goes a different direction with it. Yeah, you but you basically do not upgrade your characters in any meaningful sense you upgrade the station yes yeah well i guess once they get level two they can use more dice if you've leveled up the station enough and if you bring yeah. a low level character later you won't be able to use as many of the dice so even if you level Correct. up the station a lot you still need to level up those characters so they can do more but again they're unique each of the characters right but that has nothing to do with the character him or herself sure yeah, like like a- any level three security yeah, officer will let me have power. access to the level three cards you know what i mean which are better than the level two and level one cards but it's still not like special <laughs> to i did guy. like the unique powers though i i mean i disagree with peter a little bit on that where i preferred one of my <laughs> characters over another one because i like the power more yes. but that power doesn't get upgraded right all right well let's get to our number two jerry all right well sticking on that that general theme the exploration phase I wanted to talk about a little bit and specifically the mechanics of it, because we haven't talked about, you know, what you're actually doing when you're on the planet very much. As we've mentioned, there's uh, different colored dice and different types of dice with different numbers of faces in it. And basically you will choose a number of dice out of your pool to roll, to meet certain skill tests uh, that can have good things happen, bad things happen whatever, but whatever dice you choose to roll. So you can choose to roll two dice. You can choose to roll three dice, whatever you want. Uh, they become exhausted and then you have to rest to get them back essentially. Or I can't, what's the recover? What's the other one? I think it's exert. recover. Exert. 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 exert where you discard one die permanently. Well, permanently for that mission to bring them back, back some. So the thing I really like about it is it's a dice mechanic, but it is, very easy to have reasonable expectations of the results. And if you really need to nail something down, you can roll some extra dice. And if you don't, you can play a little bit riskier and try to roll fewer dice. But the sides tend to be pretty easy to predict. And there's also some you know cards that will let you re-roll things. Uh, you can have other players contribute dice if you need some. Uh, if you roll too many dice and you have some extra symbols that you don't need for the skill test, there's other things you can spend those symbols on, including the cards in your hand or other things that might be available on each specific planet. And I really, really liked it's a random dice mechanic without being too random. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I thought that was really well done. Uh, on the downside, I think it might get kind of repetitive. You're doing a skill test for basically every single thing you do. And the skill tests are all essentially the same. I mean, you're trying to get different symbols, but basically it's pick a number of dice, roll it, and try to get this symbol or this combination of symbols. And you want to choose which character is doing it based on what they happen to be good at, good at doing either from the dice in the pool or their conversion power that Peter mentioned. So I have a a sneaking suspicion that it's going to get a little repetitive after a while. Uh, That said, I didn't really mind it. And I thought for the length of time we played the game, which I think we played what, three planets, two or three planets, one more than once. 
I had a good time with it. Yeah, and the co-op part Jerry was talking about, so you can have a hand of up to three cards, and then each character has a certain dice pool, which is what you level up. I think you start with five at the beginning of the game, and then you have to f- spend like five experience. It's not called experience, whatever. Um, to Success get- tokens. Yes, success tokens to gain another dice. And then once you have six dice, you spend six success tokens. So that that levels up with you. So you're choosing a number of those dice, but those dice are, there's two ways to get them back, right? One of them is to discard one of those dice forever and you get the rest of them back. Or you can use the supplies you have to get three dice back and draw a card, right, Mike? Is that the way? Correct. And then the co-op nature that Jerry was referring to earlier is anybody that shares a location with you can contribute one of their dice and one cards to each skill check. So, I mean, that that's my number two. Also, it's the dice and card system. The cards themselves, I'll get into those a little because Jerry covered the dice pretty well. The cards have a, a couple things at the very top of them. They give you a mitigation thing, which is something you can basically do to let, let you re-roll one of your red dice or green dice or blue dice or whatever. Um, or lets you recover dice. Uh, I forget all the different things, but they're usually like things you want to use spur of the moment. And then at the bottom of the card, they will have a symbol, as Jerry said, if you have extra symbols after your test is done, you can use some of them to trigger the bottom part of the cards, which will usually mostly allow you to like recover dice and uh, get rid of injuries, stuff like that. So, yep, that's the cards and dice. It is the main part of the exploration board, it's mostly about those skill tests, but that was also my number two. I think it's pretty well done. Like these guys, I am worried about the repetitive nature of it. It never bothered me, and it keeps the story flowing, which I think is the point of this, and we'll get into this in our design discussion. But I, I like the quick resolution of it because it did let you keep playing because some of the other actions are super short, and if these skill tests took a long time or were more intricate, I think it would take away from a lot of the game. So, you know, you have a trade-off there, but I think they made the right choice. Yeah, and my, my, I'll get to the dice uh, in a moment, but my number two is still kind of focused on the planet exploration, but it's actually the uh, sense of exploration and discovery, and not just in the planets, also in kind of exploring the solar systems and moving your ship around. I think there's a little bit of it. But um, I, I do really like how the planets have different things for each of them. Some are like more linear kind of uh, set pieces, I would say, kind of like a movie, like big narrative beats. Uh, you all didn't see too many of those, but some planets kind of play out that way. Other war- ones are a bit more free form in their exploration and kind of offer things to like dig into for multiple plays. I had planets that I didn't f- explore fully or where like I locked out some options by going to other ones. But just like the the combination of moving into a location, seeing like a cool piece of art on the card for it, reading usually very short log entries. They're usually not like ultra long to kind of get a little bit of flavor for it. It has a nice sort of like RPG-ish mixed with like sci-fi discovery feel that I found consistently engaging whenever I went to a new planet. Now, if it was a planet I've been on before, again, that gets back to the grind and repetition I mentioned earlier. But that's not, doesn't have to happen too often. Usually you can be moving forward and making that progression uh, of new planets pretty consistently. Oh, Mike, how would you know it's an awakened, realm, uh, awakened Realms game if there wasn't some grind in there? Yep, somewhere? I mean, uh, but again, I would say there's less, you know, having played a lot of these games, there's less here than, for example, Original Tainted Grail. There's less here than this War of Mine. I think it, it has pretty good forward momentum compared to some of their other offerings. 
Yeah, and another part of the exploration, which we haven't really talked about, is you get artifacts that are specific to the planets there. So those are things you can take back to your ship. And you're also getting these, like, mineral upgrades, which you can use to, like, manufacture stuff later. So, like, as you're going along, you have this whole bag system. Does anybody have that as one of their points? I doubt it, right? Because that's not no, anybody's the number discoveries. one. Yeah, no. so, so you have these discoveries as you're going along as well, and you can carry some of the items back to your ship. Again, it's just another system in the game. Uh, like I said, I think we could add 20 points with this one. But uh, there is a sense of exploration there because as you discover artifacts and things like that, you can either use them on the planet or take them back and use them for research on your ship later as well or to upgrade stuff in the town phase. So you have a little bit of choices and a little bit of exploration there as well. All right, Jerry, to the number right. one points. Are they all the same? Well, they're not. <laughs> no, they're not, because Mike already told us. Yep, <laughs> Mike, Mike, Mike already said mine, too. Yep. Yep, he spoiled it. Um, so mine is that, uh, and I think Mikey touched on this, is just the, the whole narrative package that that this game is. The mechanics themselves are entertaining, and I have fun with them, but they really are just serving the narrative. Like, if it didn't have the narrative entries... Uh, I'm not sure this would this game would have any sort of staying power just from the mechanics alone. I think it needs that st- story and it's building off that story. Now that said, I really like the story. Uh, having the app, uh, it's fully voiced. Uh, the locations with the art, uh, how locations change, and sometimes you'll do something in one location and it'll change something in another location. The planets feel different. Uh, the narrative I think is really well done and structured and cohesive. And I think that really makes it so that the mechanics look better than they are overall. Uh, again, that's not to say that I d- dislike the mechanics. I don't. They're they're fun, but it's really the narrative that that kept me wanting to play the game. And my number one's a story as well. I'm not going to go mm-hmm. into it. Um, I do think it's well written. I think there's a lot going on. But I also think you know this is this is where I'm going to come down differently, probably in final thoughts than you guys. You know, you have to like the narrative game, as Jerry said, and if it's not your thing, it's not your thing. For me, when I get into, you know, role-playing games, I, I've been the death of many a role-playing group, as Jerry will attest to, because after a while, like, the narrative doesn't keep me coming back for a lot of these games. The mechanics have to be there as well. So the story's great, and I'm going to leave it as my number one. I, I think it's a pro as far as the story goes. But the con for me, and the reason it's a little bit mixed, is if you don't like story games, I don't think this is doing anything special mechanically to keep you coming back for the story. Yeah, I don't disagree with that. Uh, My number one is the dice and cards. You already talked about it. Uh, Just to throw in a few things. Um, I do think it can be a little bit overwhelming playing solo because you have the choice of bringing two to four crew members. And when I brought three or four just trying to like keep track of all the card effects and like the different mitigation things I could do. Like with the, uh, yeah, both all cards have effects on the top and the bottom. I found that a little bit overwhelming. So I actually uh, had a lot more fun playing with you all. Well, that, that that's, <laughs> that's exaggerating. I, I specifically had more fun with the card play playing with you all than uh, solo controlling multiple characters. You know, um, Mike, you could have just said it was, you had more fun when you were playing with I us. Know, you we we would have like, accepted. You didn't have to put exceptions <laughs> there. Come on, man. And then the dice, it's interesting because I, I think uh, like a lot of these kind of narrative-focused games can live or die on this. Um, I think you have to find like the right balance of meat to the mechanics, but streamlining so that you can stay focused on the narrative. And I think people will argue like, you know, Sleeping Gods we played recently. The combat is pretty meaty. The regular skill resolution is just flipping a card and is maybe like a little bit too simple. 
uh, role player adventures has like a great narrative, but then you have to like stop and play a dice game for a little while. So if you don't like that, it's probably going to be annoying. <laughs> and this one I would say is like a little bit meatier than just like a basic, like Arkham horror LCG draw a token from a bag. And like Jerry, I do like that the mitigation and your like chances of things is very clear and like who's best for a task once you reveal it is very clear. But I will say at the same time, like a lot of these games, you'll put a ton of energy into a task. And then if you fail, it like really sucks because <laughs> you don't just lose the action. You lost all the energy. In that way, I would compare it a lot to Seventh Continent. And mostly that's a co compliment because I love Seventh Continent's uh, skill resolution system. But it's a similar thing where like you can choose to put a lot or a little into a skill test. And even when you put a lot in, it doesn't guarantee that you're not just going to blow the entire thing out and have no success whatsoever. So there's like a lot of frustration here. Like you all said, it definitely can get repetitive, but also like you all said, I've played uh, between my solo campaign and playing with you all. I've played, uh, I don't know, <laughs> 14 sessions of it or 13 sessions of it. And I still like the core mechanics. I mean, they're not making me sing it from the rooftops and I still see the repetition, but I also have not gotten bored with it. How much of that is the story? I don't know, but, uh, yeah, I think they're pretty solid, but they're not, as Peter said, they're not uh, exemplary. They, they they do a workmanlike job to keep you coming back for the story if you're into it. Well, and you've played through the story a second time, even, and so... And I, I still enjoyed it. I, yeah, playing yeah. with you all and doing planets I had already fully explored and seeing beats I'd already done. Yeah, I mean, I still had fun with the cards and the dice play, so... That's saying something. I, I guess I would lean more pro be just because of that very fact that even when the story was totally pat for me, I still had a good time with the mechanics. And I covered the cards a little more in the cards and dice number two for me. But the one thing I didn't cover, and Mike touched on it here, was that there is randomness still, right? Because Jerry said you can roll as many dice as you want, which will almost guarantee success. But every one of those dice has a failure side on them. And so, if not more than one failure side on them. So you can definitely, like have bad stuff happen when you roll a lot of dice too so it's not necessarily guaranteed for success and i think even though a lot of the cards do have some kind of mitigation at the top not all of them do and there have certainly been times where i've gone into tests and had no re-rolls and had no way to like mitigate my luck at all and so i think that will frustrate some people um yeah but on the you know on the opposite side you could have taken an action to rest and draw on a card Right. So, and, you, and actually, you can even draw cards without using supplies if you are running low on surprise. There's another right. option that lets you just draw cards. So, you know, you're kind of making a choice to, sure. to take a little bit riskier. But yeah. And, and point but, taken. But all of that, that adds to the time pressure a little bit. Although I, I didn't feel like it was overwhelming, I thought the time pressure was actually a pretty good pace. Where some of these games, I think, I think, you know, we'll, we'll talk about later, unsettled definitely has much more of a time pressure. I feel like here they want you to explore. They want you to, to see that story. So I didn't find the time pressure overwhelming. Although, again, it it also isn't as straightforward <laughs> as like some of these time mechanics either. So it, it's another step of where, where they added in more rules crunch, where I don't know that they needed to, um, where you're going through this time track and then like stuff changes when you're halfway through and you can do stuff on the time track. Like if you have extra symbols and yeah. Yeah, it, I guess I'm just getting into my final thoughts here. For me, it was fine. I'm going to be the most negative of <laughs> it's the a game. <laughs> I, like, I, I will certainly play it more. And I am certainly hoping that the story gets more exciting for me. But you guys know me. If you've listened to our podcast and you listen to our stuff again, 
are, are enough. You know that I am all about mechanics. If the mechanics aren't there, then I get bored pretty quickly. And while I think there are a lot of mechanics in this game, I don't know that any of them are interesting enough to make it feel like I am making super fun, interesting choices while I am playing. So for me, it's fine. I'll keep playing because I know you guys like it, but it's not anything I would request to play. Oh, I'm sorry, Uh, Peter, but you're wrong. (laughs) (laughs) I knew you guys would be more positive for sure. That's why I wanted to go first. I understand your points, but I disagree with how I feel about the game. I, I agree that I don't think the the decisions on the you know the mechanics of the game are particularly interesting. Uh, however, I think the choices you make within the context of the narrative are. I, there were some choices that we were making in the in, in the various phases. You know, should we address this problem that's coming up, or should we work on boosting our research or whatever? I think those were interesting decisions. We made some decisions about where to go or what to do. Should we? take this approach or that approach? Like, should we try to fix something or just, you know, knock it down or whatever? There were interesting narrative choices that needed to be made. And that was enough for me. So obviously I like the game a lot more than Peter. I happen to enjoy narrative games quite a bit. Uh, It's actually probably my favorite type of co-op is to have some sort of narrative where it's uh, sort of more along the lines of a choose your own adventure with, uh, with some game board game mechanics in there. And I think this sort of hits us sweet spot. Uh, I think the combination of the ship phase with sort of the XCOM feel, which I I love the XCOM games, combined with uh, the feeling of exploration, having it fully narrated, uh, was really immersive, and I I had a lot of fun playing it. I also wasn't quite as tired as Peter when we played the first time. Well, yeah, to be fair, (laughs) I I got a better grasp of what was going on. (laughs) I was out of it for, uh, yeah, the first time we played, for sure. And I'm I'm pretty much uh, in the same place as Jerry, having played it quite a bit more than you all. It's definitely one of my top games of the year so far. And uh, to compare it to some other like story-based games that either I or we have covered uh, recently, uh, Treadvang Legends, Stars of Icarios, uh, Familiar Tales, to name a few. This one is, is way above all of those in my estimation. Like they all have good, like none of those are games are bad. They're, they're all still like decently ranked in my rankings for the year. But ISS Vanguard is way above them. Like I really am into the story. I'm really, now I, I'm, I'm very much a fan of all the source material they're cribbing from. I'm a fan of this kind of story. I think way more than you, Peter. This is like a yeah, exploratory sure. mystery discovery story, I want to say. Again, Outer Wilds, for people who have played that, is one of my favorite video games I've played this year, bar none. And one of my favorite video games in like the last like five years, I would say. And that is also like, it's not really a narrative. It's like... Here is some stuff that has happened. Go discover that stuff in whatever way you like. Like I'm playing uh, Return of the Oprah Din right now, and that is the same kind of thing. Like I just I like uh, narratives where it's like I'm I'm discovering a mystery as I go along. It's not like you know Trudvang Legends is much more like stuff happens and then you do things, then more stuff happens and characters interact with you. This is not that kind of a thing. But uh, you know I think there's the chance for repetition, being frustrating, for grind for uh, dice luck, making people really angry. I think it can be a little bit overwhelming solo. Like there's a lot of flaws here, especially depending on what you're looking for. But that doesn't change the fact that I'm really excited to play the whole campaign and that it's, again, one of my top games of the year. So so for me, somebody who likes sci-fi narrative, exploratory narrative a whole bunch, and also enjoys like some exploration and dice mechanics, I, I love this one. Yeah, I, I definitely agree with you on the. I thought the uh, the comparison to Trudvang was was a good one. B 
because I found the combat mechanics in Trudvang a little bit more interesting than the skill yes. check mechanics in ISS Definitely. Vanguard. That said, ISS Vanguard is a much, much better game that I have more fun with. Now, that, now that's not to say Trudvang is bad. It's not. It's fine. But and even with that better mechanical element to it, it still wasn't as fun for me as ISS Vanguard. Not not including the skill checks in, in Trudvang Legends, which are just hot garbage, but the combat mechanics are <laughs> <You're fun>. so <laughs> bad. Who looked at that mechanic and was like, yep, that's it. Yep, that's bingo. Yeah, that's the one. We got it. <laughs> we got it. Everyone draw and try to get three water. Oh, wait, three out of four of you don't even have that in your bag. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Good job, oh, well. y'all. You can't yeah. climb that wall. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, right, no, now I, I agree with this versus uh Trudvang, as far as those skill checks go, but I did like combat quite a bit better actually in Trudvang. Uh, I thought it was way more interesting. Uh, that one mechanically, like if this combat system was as interesting as that one, I would be much more interested in playing more. That being said, the death penalties and, and there were a lot of other big negatives for Trudvang, which I, I don't know for for me because the mechanics were better. There, I might be more interested in playing that one again, although the, the lack of death penalty really bothered me. So I, I don't know. I mean, for me, the mechanics are not better in Trudvang. Combat is yeah. a really good mechanic in Trudvang. I would say yes. everything else but ISS Vanguard is better <laughs> mechanically. That's why I focus on the just the combat yeah, yeah, mechanic. Yeah. Piece the, like the combat, drawing tokens, put them on cards. That's a nice mechanic. I'm going to see that in some other games. Yeah. But I don't think the luck is as big a deal as you've been making it out to be. And even that I made it out to be, yeah, there's not a lot of mitigation, but there's also not that much penalty for failing. Yeah, you got to discard a couple more dice. But like I said, the timing in this game seemed to be pretty forgiving anyway. So I don't know. At the end of the day, I never felt like overly frustrated when we failed something. I was just like, all right, well, we'll, we'll do it next turn. Or somebody else has to come over and we'll do it in a minute. Like I said, because the time pressure wasn't there in in most of the missions, there were certainly some at some point, but the penalties for failure didn't seem that bad to me. I agree. All right. So sounds like a a mixed review from the group. Probably all comes down to your affinity for narrative-based games, especially like more exploratory sci-fi narratives. But let's uh, get into our design discussion, which is comparing ISS Vanguard to Unsettled, another planetary exploration game. Planetary? That's not a word. Planetary? No. Yeah. Unsettled is a one-off game where you uh, you have uh, different planets in the core game. I think there's two, I want to say, because I bought all of them and went in all in on the new uh, expansion that's coming. But yeah, so I think there's like two planets and each planet has three scenarios, but they don't link together in any meaningful way. Instead, it's just like you have to solve this puzzle and survive this planet and escape. So I think it's a really good way to kind of compare narrative focus, which is ISIS Vanguard, to, as Peter was kind of talking about, like full-on mechanical focus. Like I, uh, Unsettled has funny writing. It's actually very humorous writing, but it's just like flavor text. You know, it doesn't, yeah. it's, not, it's not telling a cohesive story in a meaningful way. I mean, a little bit, I guess. Like stuff happens on the planet and like one thing builds on another, but yeah. And yeah, before ahead, we get into the discussion here, I think there is a middle ground as well, though, because it wasn't just those two games in my mind. The third one that really stands out that is a, a pretty strong middle ground for me is Arkham Horror LCG. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah sure. Um, which I think has both the exploration elements and the narrative elements. You know, so, so I don't think you have to choose one or the other, and, and that's where I fall. But I, I do think you have to get the timing right. 
Well, I mean, if it's those two games versus Arkham, I think Arkham's still going to win for me, too. That's that's a low blow, Peter. <laughs> well, but you you see what I'm saying? Like, I don't think it has to be one versus the other. And I, I guess yeah. that's the point. We, we always think, like, you know, how do we go one way without going the other? And I think the, the trap you can fall in is if you're trying to make a very narrative game, you can make those skill checks too long and too complicated and draw you away from the story. And I think we've definitely had some examples of games that have done that this year. And if you want to do a puzzly game, I think if you have too much narrative, it pulls you away from the puzzle too much. But I do think there is a middle ground there where you can have good story and good puzzle. But I do think, you know, the, the systems you have to use are, are quicker systems. But like the combat system for Trudvang, as an example, I don't think it was... It was maybe a little longer than it could have been if you really wanted to be a strong narrative game. But I think it was simple to do also, right? You're not reading the cards because you just flip them up and you're like trying to match symbols. So I, I don't I think you can do both, I, I guess, is where I'm coming down on. Well, no, I, I, I would think- say uh, having played Unsettled with my children and imagining I could play ISS Vanguard, maybe not with my kids. Well, probably my oldest, but definitely with like a more casual group. I think the rules would be as long as I'm running like the ship thing. I do think Arkham, as an example, for what it gets you, has like a, a larger buy-in in terms of understanding what the heck you're doing and like dealing with like these very complex cards in your hand and all that kind of stuff, you know. And this is coming from somebody where Arkham is my number one game. But when I taught my ten-year-old uh, Arkham, he, he he made it work, kinda, but he didn't know what the heck was going on half the time. <laughs> Yeah, it it would sort of fall on the more of the puzzly end, I guess, for me on that. But I think the reason, I I mean, I agree with Peter. Obviously, there's a middle ground. I just think that the, these two games that Mike mentioned, uh, Unsettled and ISS Vanguard, are so like they have almost the exact same theme, yeah. but yet they are on completely opposite sides of that spectrum. Yeah, and that's why it's interesting to have a discussion about it because it yeah. you know it, it's the same game that went into a different direction. Peter Peter and Jerry, uh, which one? I know they're very different games, but they're also very similar games. If you had to pick one or the other, which one would it be? Oh, well, I'm ISS Vanguard. There's no question. Yeah. And you didn't like Unsettled very much. Yeah, well, I can get into that. Yeah, yeah, correct. I did not like Unsettled nearly as much. That is not to say I think Unsettled is a poorly designed game. I actually think it's a very well-designed game. And I think the humor within it was actually funny which yeah. is unusual for the medium of board games. You know, you occasionally find something that's a little jokey here and there, but Unsettled was actually funny. But I think it was a, a different or a problem with expectation setting for me. I expected Unsettled to be more like ISS Vanguard, yeah. where you were going to an unsettled planet and you were scientists and you were going to discover things. Well, actually, no, you're landing on a planet and you're solving a puzzle. The puzzle's great. It's well, it's well designed, and I can see the fun in it, but it's certainly not what I expected of the game, and I was very disappointed by that. And, and it's certainly not telling a story, right? Like, that that is the right. one thing. Like, yes, there is a little bit of a narrative there, but it's only to... I, I felt like the story there was to service the mechanics yeah, and the puzzle itself. Like, the story was there being told because they wanted to do these cool mechanics, right? Like, like, you know, this time there's a sand cloud on this planet. And so like they, they designed cool mechanics around how a sand cloud would work. Whereas if spoilers, 
if it was in something <laughs> like yeah figure out which of the six planets that was on good luck with that but that's not the fun part about it right I, I don't even feel like you can spoil unsettled only because like it really is just all about trying to solve that puzzle which is different from game to game too mm-hmm. so i think there's mm-hmm. more variety in something so for me it's obviously unsettled because i like the puzzly nature of it more than the narrative nature of it and i do think that that is the big difference i feel like in iss vanguard the mechanics are there to serve the story whereas i feel like in unsettled the story is there to serve the mechanics and make that that puzzle more interesting yeah, and then I, uh, I'm in an interesting spot because uh, Unsettled is in like the top three, I would say, or four games that came out for me in 2021, and ISS Vanguard is so far in the top like five or six games for me that came out in 2022. I adore both of these games, um, and they are doing completely different things, and I adore them for completely different reasons. ISS Vanguard, yeah. the the mystery and the the story and the exploration is my favorite thing. And I guess the exploration in Unsettled is a favorite thing as well, especially the first time I played scenario. But I can play the exact same scenario. I've done it four or five times and still have a blast because that tactical play and like, even when it's sort of the same puzzle, the way you unlock things and the randomized elements, especially with the uh, the cooperative uh, tools you get to help each other, like with how you traverse the landscape, how you gather resources... I love it, man. It's it's such a good puzzle. So yeah, I mean the the way you explore planets, taking the narrative out of it, it's unsettled all the way for me. I think the planets feel more unique and unsettled by a, a leap because you all have only played like two planets. Like all of them have crazy different stuff going on, but it's done like in a really nice, like clean way. The rules are pretty straightforward for each planet. Isis Vanguard doesn't do that as much, but. In Unsettled, I don't get a cool story every time I go onto a new place. I don't have like this uh, kind of milieu of mystery that I'm slowly uncovering as I go into each place. So, and, and I also don't have the awesome campaign element and like upgrading M- XCOM style and unlocking new technologies and all of that. So, they offer very different things. And what's interesting, I, I wonder if you all agree with me because I think this kind of brings the uh, issue to to a point. As much as Unsettled is amazing, and I like the planet exploration mechanics way better, I would not want a game where it was ISS Vanguard, but you played Unsettled when you were on the planet. No. I think those mechanics not. are way too meaty. They take too long yes. for like a campaign setting, and I think that would be an interminable game. So as much as I love both these games for very different reasons, putting them together, I think, would worsen both experiences. And and in their extremes, they are hitting beautiful things. And if you tried to have a middle ground with these games, like an Arkham-style situation like Peter's talking about, I think it would actually be a worse experience on both ends. I agree with everything everything you just said. I really am desirous of that, you know, the narrative and the, and the mystery and the discovery. And it was just a, a big letdown for me because I had these expectations with Unsettled. Like, I felt like I was going to sit down and, you know, watch a cool episode of star trek that i was going to be participating in and instead it ended up being like that that episode where you know drunk wesley pulls all the control chips out and it was like sitting and watching data put the control chips back for an hour shut up those that might be an entertaining puzzle in and of itself (laughs) but i didn't want to do it for that long like i wanted the the story 
and it wasn't there. <laughs> so now that was my nerdy reference. I think that was the Naked Now. That was like a season one episode, I think, anyway. Of oh, the, the season one episodes always uh, almost better than those bad season two episodes with the different doctor and all of that. Yes, <laughs> Pulaski. Anyway. Oh, my God. Uh, and enough nerdum. The other thing I wanted to mention, and we talked about it a little bit earlier, is that the time pressure elements and how that really drives, whether it's narrative or more puzzly. Yeah. In Unsettled, there is a very tight time pressure, or at least it felt like there's a very no, no, tight there, time No, no, there pressure. is. That, that game will kick you in the nards, and you will have to play through a scenario <laughs> two or three times sometimes to beat it. Whereas mm-hmm. ISS Vanguard, I would say, often goes too far in the other direction, like except for certain planets that really rush you, you know, no spoilers, especially with the uh, Doster, or the exert mechanic where you can get like a bunch of dice back. I've rarely felt a great sense of urgency and fear. And like, worst case, you just leave the planet and land again. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like right. in most yeah. cases. And I've seen a lot of people say that online, that like, it's a little bit too easy, which I, th- I think is a danger with narrative games in general. Um, yeah. Role player adventures certainly had that. It didn't stop me from loving that story so much, but yeah, I think, um, I think you have to find the right balance. Cause uh Sometimes games that do tilt the difficulty too far towards losing, then you get into like this narrative death spiral and that's not fun. Like I do no. want to see an ending yeah. if I'm here to play. An, you know, that's why I, Peter, you said the same thing. I, I think Trudvang as a game that is very focused on the narrative and not as much on the mechanics. It has like the worst death mechanic I've ever seen in a game like <laughs> <Yeah>. this. <laughs> and I like vaguely care, you know what I mean? Like it was like my number four, number five in the review, I think. And it's just like, well, that's annoying. All right, let's play it. Let's see what happens with this dwarf. Come on, I got, I got to go explore that mine. <laughs> you know, like, yeah. it's like somebody looked at say, at fail forward and said, "Nah, how about no fail? <laughs> right, just forward." <laughs> because a fail forward, as much as we love it, and we put it in like some of our game designs that are coming up, multiple of them actually, it it does have its drawbacks. You know, like Arkham, like it's like, oh, I failed forward, but I have like ten mental trauma and. I'm not leveled up enough to actually face this boss. And we die in the first three rounds, you know, like uh, our campaign, oh. we played like that, which one, you that know, it's fun. like, yeah, well, that yeah, had like, nothing to do with failing forward. That just well, had to do with true. bad. That was just failing. <laughs> <laughs> yes. But yeah, like sometimes fail forward can put you in like this bad null state. So yeah, I don't know. I, I, I think a fail forward again, is like maybe a more narrative side of things as opposed to the mechanical side of things, like let the players see the narrative and certainly not that Gloomhaven is winning me over with narrative. That's very much a mechanical experience for me. <laughs> yes. But the non-fail forward of Gloomhaven, as much as I love the mechanics, the fact that there's almost no randomization in like the scenarios, I'm like, oh my God, I got to play this crap again. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Whatever, I have to repeat a scenario in that one. Gloomhaven's fail mechanic is a bit of a dud. I, I think we yeah. all agree, agree on this. But back to the, little, the time pressure point with my problem with Unsettled is the time pressure is so great I felt like I didn't have the ability to explore the planet. Like I had to focus on what I was trying to do. I couldn't discover new things. I had to make sure I used my actions to get these cubes to, to go here to make sure we completed the mission that it was fine for a puzzle. And like I said, the mechanics are great. It just wasn't what I was looking for. And it it just didn't feel you don't like that in games like journeys in middle earth either. I think that is just a, like you want to explore in these games, right? They're exploration games. I don't like well, the feeling and, feeling like I played it and I've left 50% or more of the game that I paid for unseen. I, I don't particularly care for that. Well, and, and as much as Unsettled and ISS Vanguard do have things we can compare, I, th- I think Unsettled, a, c- a closer comp might be like Robinson Crusoe. 
because in the end, it's really a time. Yeah, I know, and that, that's oh. that's another reason you might not have liked it. It's in, at the end, it's a survival game with a strict timer toward death, like a lot of those games have, or the upcoming Frostpunk, which I think we're getting pretty soon. You know, where it's it's not about the exploration; it's it's about the time pressure. It's about the action optimization, which could yeah. be a, a dirty word or a good one, depending on what you're looking for. Isis Vanguard strips a lot of that away. And if you're looking for like, oh my God, am I going to survive like tense, tough experience? It's not really going to provide that most of the time. But I mean, I, I think they have enough time pressure where, again, I've never gone to a planet and explored everything the first time. Like if I really wanted to like completely exhaust all my options on a planet, I would have to go at least twice. And I think that's about right. Like they, they, they leave, they tend to leave just that little bit of the unknown left, like the tantalizing, hmm, I could have done something different there, which which I think for for a narrative-focused game, it's a great way to be because, you know, like I- Isla does that too, Jerry. I-, I know you haven't gotten as much into the branching scenarios yet, but like every time I did Isla, I was like, I wonder what would happen if I'd taken that skill. I wonder what would happen if I'd made that choice. I wonder what would happen if I'd done this card instead of that card. Like they have just enough that it brought me back multiple times, even with a, a game that has, well, <laughs> is Isla a narrative focus? I would say yes, but it's also just pictures on cards and like the, the mechanics are the narrative. So I, I would say actually it's a great integration of mechanics and narrative. I, I think you're making a lot of decisions in the game that are narrative based. Yeah, that's a good way to put it. They, they have really good thematic integration yeah. with the mechanics and the narrative. So I think as a design discussion, we've come to like a couple good points here. I, I, and some we discussed and some which I just thought of that we've talked about in the past. Like for narrative campaigns, you definitely have to ramp the difficulty down because you don't want people to have to repeat stuff. I, I don't, and I think all of the narrative campaigns we've played lately, all the ones we're talking about, really do this. They they make the difficulty so it's not this huge difficult thing, so that way you can focus on the story. Because I think if you put too much stress on a player and you you have them so worried about the loss condition that they're losing the story. They're so mm. focused on the mechanics that they're losing the story. So I do think if you want a more narrative game, you do want to make it a little bit easier as far as difficulty goes. Now, I have no problem, and I don't know that many of them do this, and I think they probably could do a better job of it, or maybe I just haven't played them enough to see this where they could have difficulty scaling. So if you did want to play through it again and maybe, you know, maybe the story isn't going to be the focus the next time. Maybe you do want to make it more of a tactical puzzle the next time. I wish they had ways to scale the difficulty with some of these, which I don't know that they always do a great job of. But the other thing is I think narrative ones are going to be more campaign focused as well. So I think that's the other big difference between Unsettled and ISS Vanguard. ISS Vanguard really doesn't play well as a a one-time thing, as Jerry said at the beginning, whereas Unsettled is exactly meant to do that, right? You can bring it out once, play it, and be very satisfied with that game and not have to play through it. So I think that's another thing. If you're comparing these, if you want a more narrative-based game, just know you're probably in there for more of the long haul. Whereas if you want a more mechanics-focused game, you know those can come in one-offs much easier. Mm. One other thing I'd add is, is at least something for me is uh, player count. And I tend to enjoy puzzle games much more solo. Yeah. Interesting. But if I'm with other people, I prefer narrative games. Uh, co- cooperative. Now, that if we're playing competitive, I, you know, bring on the puzzle, right? But if it's cooperative, I think I, I prefer the narrative game. But I'll play a puzzle game solo. Now, I'm not a huge solo board game player, but, like, I enjoy Frostpunk, the video game, 
quite a bit. And, you know, that certainly has a, a heavy puzzle element to it. Like You can tell there's a lot of math going on under the hood. But if I'm in a group, I don't really, I don't know. I think I just prefer the narrative with more than one player. See, that's very interesting because I'm the exact opposite. I don't care if people are around if I'm hearing a story. Whereas, like, you know, when you think of games like, uh, what's that solo book that you did with your wife? I I know that's multiplayer. Dragonholt? Yeah. Legacy of Dragonholt? Yeah. So if they're, like, story-based, I don't know. I I guess it's good if other people have played it, but I don't need to experience the story at the same time as them. Well, that's that's almost a pure solo game, really. Uh, Dragonholt, I mean. I would say that. Vanessa and I liked it a lot. Yeah, but, you know, you're weird. Um, that, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we, I played we, a little. We do we do read books to each other, so I think we've already kind of set yeah. ourselves up to enjoy choose your own adventures like that. Yeah. That is fair. Yeah, I mean, I, I've played a few missions of that or a few scenarios of that, and that felt to me very much a solo game. But I liked it uh, quite a bit. M- maybe it's more I just prefer puzzle games solo. I don't prefer puzzle cooperative games in a group. Well, and Narrative, I'll say on, I guess either way. Unsettled specifically has very little hidden information between the players. So when I played, especially like with my son, I really had to bite my tongue and not be like, hey, go here. This is the way to win the puzzle. The puzzle is winning over here. It's not going over there. I don't care if you examine that pustule. It's not good for us. (laughs) (laughs) No, examine uh, the pustule. Interesting things uh, happen there. (laughs) Unsettled specifically, I've loved my cooperative plays, but... And Colin might disagree with it because he's a big fan of that one, too. I think, like, that's an awesome solo, like, optimization puzzle. And I I think even you might enjoy it more, Jerry, with with your expectations firmly understood at this point, playing it solo. You know what I mean? Yeah, maybe. Cool. Any final thoughts from any? Like, Mike, did you have any final thoughts? I think Jerry and I kind of summarized our stuff. I I guess the the final thing I'll say is decide where you want to go with it. Like, I think Gloomhaven knows it's not surviving by its story i hope i hope they know that (laughs) um you know whereas uh to give you a different example stars of acarios i enjoyed quite a bit i think it's got a lot of good stuff going on i think that thought that it had a way more epic and engaging story than gloomhaven and in a way it does but then like you you take these breaks to do the ship combat and i don't know if the two like gel as well as they wanted them to Right. So I think sometimes it's better, and, and kind of the same thing we said with Unsettled uh, versus uh, ISS Vanguard. Sometimes it's better to like lean really heavily in, and, and you're also not gonna, you know, you're, you're gonna have a clearer audience. Maybe it's a smaller audience if you lean too far one way or another. But at least like, hey, I'm gonna get the game book crowd, or I'm gonna get the like puzzle Euro crowd with this action like economy. I, I, I don't think it's a bad thing to to pick a lane and really lean heavily into it. So your game is like 80% one thing and 20% the other. I mean, I, I have, uh, you know, I, like I said uh, earlier tonight, I have lands of Galzir coming soon, which is like the sort of choose your own adventure with app assistance, uh, Snowdale designs game. And that one, like it's just rolling some dice for action resolution. Besides that, you're just moving around with nice, pretty pictures, and you're reading adventures in an app. It's like a- app adventure, the game, and I'm I'm all I'm ready for that. Like I know what I'm getting. My kids are gonna love it. I'm gonna have fun with it, and we're gonna put it away, and that's fine. <laughs> you know, I, I think it's okay to have a very clear picture for your audience of like what they're getting, and let them make the uh, informed decision of whether that's what they want. You know. Another one I just thought of, and I don't, I'm not going to open a can of worms here again, but Cthulhu Death May Die, I think, does a really good job of telling one-off stories where 
again, it definitely leans more toward the puzzly side. And yes. because it's one off, it can be more difficult. But I think it does a good job of integrating story with puzzle. But again, I think it leans more toward the puzzle side, which is probably why I like it more. Um, yeah, I mean, I would say comparing Death May Die to Unsettled, I think Unsettled has a bit more of a cohesive story event to tell. And certainly Unsettled has writing that actually is like meaningfully enjoyable, whereas Death May Die, I certainly can't remember a single piece of flavor text for Death May Die. No, but, but I can uh, what, remember what, the, the different scenarios. Are, yeah, yeah. What I was going to say, I, I think... I think Death Made Eye is really good scenario design and really good card design and sort of a emergent style storytelling and uh, like a world building sense. Like it's cool to be like in a speakeasy scenario and you like get allies that are related to that and you find items that are related to a speakeasy and like the scenario kind of makes sense with the setting you're in. So I think they do a good job of like world building. I wouldn't really call it narrative personally. I would say Unsettled even with its minimal narrative has more like real story but death may die gives you awesome moments that are memorable it's like oh remember the time when i got the machine gun and shot shagoth the in the lavatory with with the lead pipe with with the lead pipe (laughs) colonel mustard yeah that's what i was going for thanks peter for picking up on that (laughs) yes all right so we've talked about some good crowdfunding games that you can get right now cthulhu death may die cosmoctopus go out there uh crowdfunding still hot and heavy. I think the bottom <laughs> the bottom line here is lean one way or another. Know what you want your game to be. And if your mechanics are too much, I think you can lose story. And if your story's too much, I think you can lose mechanics. So I would say pick a lane. And if you go down the middle, just know that you're going to have to make some sacrifices. But I, I think the other bottom line is like you can't please everybody, right? Yeah, and that's true. Yep. Um, because I mean, so Jerry, you should work to please me, right? That, that's going to be the lesson everyone should take from this. I mean, Jerry and I enjoy, enjoy a lot of the same games and Mike and I enjoy a lot of the same games, but there are certainly games. I mean, this is a perfect example of it where it's just, you know, much less my bag than it is what you guys like. And games like unsettled are much more Mike in mind than, than yeah, anything I'm- Jerry would like. And anything Euro is much more Jerry and me than anything Mike would like. So, you know, altogether, we're not going to, we're not going to come to, you know, I think that's why you got to design what you love, right? You got to figure out who your game's for and just lean into it. Or just make great games like Spirit Island and Bullet and then we'll all enjoy them. Well, see, that's too puzzly for Jerry, I think, right? Spirit Island and Bullet. Jerry likes Uh, both I don't mind Spirit Island. You don't like Bullet? I thought you liked Bullet. Bullet's okay. Uh, bullet i have to struggle to get past the anime theme i i that theme oh i just don't like it but it is it, a quality game but it's eh. i mean would you even call it an anime theme or just literally there is a picture of an anime person <laughs> on your board that yeah. is that is honestly like enough just, to just turn me off just to paste it like a picture of you know like uh roy Bullfrog. batty from you know blade runner Ooh, a blade runner game yeah where you draw things from a bag that sounds awesome mike we should do that <laughs> Has there been a Blade Runner game? I, I, I played several Blade I'm Runner sure. video games. I need a Blade Runner board game. Let's go. I guess Android. I liked forty percent of that game. I still own that one. I mean, that, that's got. Hey, everybody, go play Android by Fantasy Flight. Kevin awesome Wilson. ideas in there. It's not good. <laughs> <laughs> there are so, interesting similarly, ideas. Similarly, that... find an out of print vo- copy of Middle Earth Quest. Amazing ideas in there. It's mediocre. <laughs> hey, I have that one. I just got that one. Oh, do you still, oh you got yeah, I mean that yeah. that's that's an amazing game with game breaking flaws all throughout it. 
I just got it because of the theme. I played it once and I it was eh, eh, eh. But now I think I think I that combat hand management movement system is Chef's Kiss beautiful. Like I've I've wanted to steal that and bring it to another theme for a while. I recall this scenario as being wildly unbalanced. Though. Oh no, no, they're horrific. It, the yeah. the quests, <laughs> the 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 balance between the players, the end game conditions, like trash of the highest order. Yeah, and and then you get the combat and the movement. It's amazing. <laughs> <laughs> Nice. All right, everybody. Well, thanks for joining us again, and we will talk to you soon. Bye. Bye. Thanks for joining us again for the One Stop Co-op Shop podcast. Check out our YouTube channel at One Stop Co-op Shop. Also, join us for games and discussion on our Discord channel. You can support us on Patreon at patreon.com slash one stop or leave us a review on iTunes. Thanks again, and we'll see you next week for another Top 5 list. Hey, guys. What? Tell me a story. Oh, I'll tell you a story, all right.